From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Now McNabb using the far wall. Off the shelf, Eichel coming out. One of the Oilers goes down. It's a three-on-one. Eichel shooting. He scores! Perfectly placed wrister. Low on the long side. And the Oilers give up two goals in the second period and now trail four to one. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It is Cofield and Company, Tuesday afternoon here in Las Vegas. Hill and his homies edition once again. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, already here along with you. A ton of great guests coming up throughout the show, starting with a very, very big name, Willie. The GOAT for, for a lot. I mean, a lot of people would say the GOAT. And uh, according to your publication, the greatest of all time to graduate from a Las Vegas high school. Greg Maddox joining us in about 14 minutes. It's a pretty big one. I'll get see if we can uh, cover the corners, not let him uh, sneak anything by us. That's the key when you're going against Greg Maddox, I think, for sure. Uh, and a good day to talk about baseball because we had a lot of Golden Knights talk planned, and we will talk a lot of Golden Knights, including a fantastic performance followed by uh, some real controversy on the post-game show on Sports Center with John Anderson. Of course, we'll get into all that, but then – the show gets thrown into total chaos right before we start. It happens all the time. I don't even know if you saw this yet. I literally just saw it as we were going on. What does a binding agreement mean to you? Binding means it's binding. means it's it's an agreement. Well, the A's planned stadium at the Wild Wild West site is no more. <laughs> That's right. The binding agreement to buy the, to buy the land, to build a stadium project there, according to the Nevada Independent and Look, I'm sure that we are reporting on this as well, and we're following it up and trying to figure it out. But according to sources close to the athletics, yep, the Oakland Athletics Stadium will now be built at the Tropicana site, which is also on Tropicana, but is at Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard, not Tropicana on I-15. So about, what, three-quarters of a mile down the road? I don't know how to judge a half mile down the road. Not even. The Tropicana site meaning... They'll knock down the Tropicana Hotel. Not even, not even a quarter. I mean, it. That's. I mean, it's in a sense, it's well, catty. Cross, cor- it's catty corner from the f- across the fifteen. Well, you cross Dean Martin, then cross I fifteen, then cross Las Vegas Boulevard. Okay, so I mean, I'll, give, not, I'll give you a quarter mile. Okay. They they had they actually the Nevada Independent uh, Howard Stutz had put this out uh, with Tab- Tabitha Mueller yesterday, saying um, it was shortly after our show. The Oakland A's are revisiting other potential Vegas baseball stadium sites just weeks after signing a binding agreement on a 49-acre site west of the Strip as the latest legislative process lags. And now they have found they are the other site. Exactly one mile, by the way. Is it really? Yeah. According to Google Maps, I mean, I don't know if we're going to trust them, but... Well, I thought it was only like three quarters. Too. It doesn't even seem. Well, I guess it's it's a walking one mile, so you got. I think you have to walk under the overpass. Hmm. Who knows? It's it's very very close for for those that maybe maybe, maybe it's acknowledging the fact that you can no longer. There's no over. Yeah, there's no overpass. Yeah, you got to so walk so. underneath. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, a lot of moving <laughs> pieces on this. And by the way, this 
New Deal, which we learned about in the last hour. Public funding? Less. Oh. Less fu- less public funding. That's probably part of the part of the agreement. Uh they're now gonna ask for three hundred and ninety five million, not five hundred million. So that's a little bit more favorable in terms of public funding, but there is still no written no wording in place to get in front of the legislature to get a vote. So it's not that they said, Okay, here's the new here's the new place, here's the new stadium site, and here's the deal. No, still nothing. So we still have to wait on that. And you know, we have talked to people close to the situation that said even people that said they're gung ho on getting this done. I want to get just put a put a cocktail napkin in front of me and I'll sign it. But they can't get anything on paper to sign. It's a wild, wild process that is going on right now in terms of the stadium. So the newest development, if you are just listening, the binding agreement to purchase the Wild Wild West site to build a new stadium and entertainment complex there. Apparently no more. The new focus is on the Tropicana site, which again, I know the other site was on Tropicana Avenue, but... This is the Tropicana Hotel site right on the Strip. And there's allegedly, according to the report, no entertainment complex planned, which is stunning to me. That part is stunning to me because I didn't think the A's cared at all about building a stadium. I think they only wanted to build the entertainment complex. So if this is true, that would change that. That would indicate a little bit more interest in actually building a baseball stadium. Uh Tropic, the Tropicana site is owned by by Bally's Corp now, and it sounds like their plan is to build a new hotel around the stadium. So you would understand why, because if they're if they're just basically saying, "Hey, look, just take this land, build the stadium, we'll build a hotel around it," that's why it makes sense for them. So we'll see how this all ends up playing out. But you know, as of twenty four hours ago, there was a quote unquote binding agreement in place to then- build its Wild Wild West site. Right. And apparently binding doesn't mean what we all thought it meant. But I think we all knew, we talked about this last week on the show, binding isn't binding. I think that was a fancy word that didn't have any meaning that they threw in to make it sound like, oh yeah, yeah, th- that's going to happen. It's not. So, again, a lot of moving pieces. I, I will predict, and I'm sure this is going out on a huge limb, this story will change before the end of the show. It could. It, it well, yeah. It's <laughs> there'll be something, some quirks. There'll be ad, some additives, if you will, or so, something. But here's my question: Is are they even going to come? I, I, I mean, does this team even come in here? Well, I mean, that's the hope that they don't. Right, exactly. I, <laughs> so, I, I mean, just in keep the end, there. I think we're all baseball fans. We all want baseball. We all want a stadium project that works. Like, that's all true. We don't really want the A's, and we don't really want it to be publicly financed. Now, the issue is it sounds like baseball has a rule in place where it has to be publicly financed, an unwritten rule, obviously, but a directive from the commissioner's office to not build new stadiums without public financing because it sets a bad precedent in other markets. So that's what we've been led to believe. That it's completely unwritten, but kind of understood. And so we will see uh, how the rest of this plays out. But, man, a lot of moving pieces uh, with this deal that we thought was closer to being done. And we were told by sources very, very close to the situation that it was essentially done. And now it's not. 
And now we are switching sites. Still with less than four weeks left in the legislative session. The session that the A's have said they have to get this done during. And still no nothing on paper. And the site has moved within a week of when it was announced. So good times. Good times going on there. Uh, good times for the Golden Knights on the ice. As we <laughs> segue clumsily into uh, news of actual games that are taking place that are, are involving Las Vegas teams. Uh, not future potential Las Vegas teams. Golden Knights have one of their best performances of the postseason. I thought a, a masterful coaching job by Bruce Cassidy and his staff. Uh, they got contributions from all over. They had Jack Eichel outplay Connor McDavid, which is a narrative that has been somewhat covered in this series, but certainly one that is very important to Jack Eichel. He has a good game, a great game. Contributions from all up and down the lineup, the defense uh, – the blue line of the Golden Knights finally gets their first goal of the postseason. Aiden Hill comes in for an injured Lamar Persois and plays very well. Overall, fantastic performance from the Golden Knights. And we'll get into certainly something that happened after the game that was unfortunate. But during the game, on the ice, everything went well. Yeah, and you know, I think I think it started with Jonathan Marjasaw getting his first goal of the postseason and then grabbing his second later in the first period because it sort of allowed the rest of the team to, to sort of follow the lead um, in which it was somebody who hadn't – not that he wasn't doing anything productive. On the score sheet, he wasn't. You know, I mean, Jonathan Marchessault is always going to be in the mix uh, doing things, but um, in, in breaking out and, and finally putting one in the net, it sort of allowed and, and fueled the fire, and, and it just went from there. But what – the Golden Knights did was similar to game one the difference was that in game one and we talked a little bit about this yesterday was Edmonton was able to somewhat answer and the resiliency and back and forth and we saw in a 6-4 game but the Golden Knights dictated the pace it's just that Edmonton was just about a skate off if you will right a step off of of what Vegas was doing in game one last night Vegas was in control the entire night because they didn't because game one, Drysaddle had four. McDavid, McDavid was shut down. Last night, everybody was shut down. They also did a fantastic job, Adam. They were skating aggressively, but they were not pursuing aggressively. They were playing like electric hockey, but so crisp and clean. You could tell and feel how clean they were trying to be to avoid penalties. And you could see at the end of the first and into the second when Edmonton was trying to goat them into things to get them fired up. But they did a fantastic job, and I think that's what helped is staying out of the box till the end of the first period after the whistle was blown in. Sure. Uh yeah, disciplined on disciplined on both ends of the ice, staying out of the box, big big key for sure. Uh, but I thought also uh, just very very defensively sound. Mm. Certainly Jack Eichel, who did so much offensively, really really worked hard defensively, and that was pretty obvious. And then offensively, the work, not necessarily the the skill. I mean, they have the skill, they have all that, but the work that they did to put the puck below the goal line and work from there. And then when Edmonton did want to break out, they had to go further to do it. They had to work harder to do it. Uh, And that was because of the work that the Knights were putting in, which I thought was very, very impressive in that game. Uh, But a lot of things went well. A lot of things went right. Uh, A lot to get to in that regard. And, of course, as we mentioned, 
the unfortunate situation after the game uh, that developed between a ESPN Sports Center anchor John Anderson and uh, Zach Whitecloud, defenseman for the Golden Knights. He spoke about it today. We'll have that sound coming up. Uh, we'll get into what John Anderson said and why it was an issue, uh, and so much more as it relates to the game on the ice as well. But coming up next, Greg Maddox, legend in Las Vegas. Keep it locked right here. Cofield and Company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. Voice of Darren Limonati firing back at the critics of Las Vegas as a potential baseball market, reminding everyone of the sexiness of the city for sure. Uh, understandable. I get it. I get why uh, there was some fight back on that. We were angry about that. That was a ridiculous comment that Vegas wasn't a big market and not ready for Major League Baseball. Uh, but we do want to get a lot of opinions on this. We want to talk to a lot of people. And uh, look, Willie, you and I talk to professional athletes every day of our lives. That's what we do. Not often are we, you know, I guess the quote with the word would be starstruck. <laughs> yeah. But it's this one, this one's uh, this one's big for us. I mean, we've been around uh, Greg Maddox before and in and, and his company, but uh, to have him on our show is, is very, very special. We're very excited uh, to talk to him right now. And the legend of Las Vegas, one of, I was going to say one of, no, the greatest athlete to come out of Las Vegas, I'm going to say, Greg Maddox joins us now. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. Uh, first, I mean, there's some things we want to get into with you for sure, but just first of all, when this started to potentially become a reality, that Major League Baseball could come to Las Vegas, what were your first thoughts on that? My third, you know, my first thoughts on it, when I first heard about it, uh, we had the Knights, and the Knights were doing so well. And then the Raiders came, and they started doing so well. So it was like, you know, my thoughts were like, yeah, why not? I mean, uh, uh, if it works, great. Uh, as a baseball fan, I mean, how cool is it to drive to a game instead of have to get on a plane to go to a game? So uh, I'm excited about it. Great. It's funny. Uh, I literally Sunday morning got on a plane, flew to Arizona, watched the Diamondbacks Nationals, and then flew home. Like, that's, that's what we have to do yeah. to see Major League Baseball. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've made numerous trips to you know Southern California to see games in San Diego, L.A., Anaheim, and uh, uh, it'd be nice to get in my car and and just maybe battle parking or something like that, you know. And 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 I know that <clears throat> that you still remain a fan, obviously, of of the sport that you, you know, obviously that you start in Hall of Fame in because. We actually did our this show. We were at LV Ballpark for the Rebels ASU game, and as we were packing up and leaving, I had saw you walking in. So I mean, when there's something out here outside, I mean, even UNLV games, right? You were you were volunteer coaching out there, but when the, these different games come in, big league weekend, um, you're out there. You're out there watching because it's 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 in your blood still, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like baseball. I still do, and. Uh... <laughs> Uh, you know, I watch, uh, I was with the Rangers in spring training this year, so I've been watching a lot of Ranger games on TV and, uh, uh, watched them win last night in Seattle. And, uh, I'm sure I'll be watching them again tonight when they come on. Greg, you're, you're only 57. If the team is here, you have a couple innings in you? Uh, I wish I lost my speed, you know, 20 <laughs> years ago. So, uh. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But I think everybody remembers that classic prank that you played on Chris Bryant. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, he's such a nice guy. I mean, he he had every reason in the world to tell me to go do what to myself and all that. And uh, he was 
he was classy and never said anything, just kind of rolled his eyes a few times. But, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, and uh, what a super guy. Another, so again, speaking with legendary Greg Maddox, uh, Valley High grad, and, of course, Hall of Famer. Greg, the, um, you know, Chris Bryant grew up, right, went to Bonanza. He's a product of here. Bryce Harper, so on and so forth. But looking back over the years, the last time you and I spoke, I was working on a project and somewhat of the, the evolution of baseball in Las Vegas and, and sort of where it's come from. But in reality, when you look at the superstars that have come out of Vegas in other sports, We've been there. It's just a matter that Vegas is now on the map as a pro sports town. But we've been seeing, even before you at Valley, right, some guys that had come out of Rancho and Valley. We have seen talent in baseball for a long time. Yeah, Mike Martin, or not Mike, well, Mike Martin too. But, yeah, he didn't grow up here. I was thinking Mike Morgan, uh, for me, was one of the first ones. And Marty Barrett, uh, I remember uh, watching Mike Morgan pitch at uh, Sunset Park. On a, on a Saturday or Sunday or something like that. And then his next start was in the Oakland Coliseum on Saturday. So, uh, uh, you know, to watch him go from Sunset Park and, you know, six days later he's pitching against the Baltimore Orioles in uh, Oakland was pretty cool. You know, I remember they uh, televised the game here in Vegas. They missed the first couple innings before they got it worked out. But uh, we got a chance to watch him pitch and uh, – uh, you know, ever since then, that kind of put Vegas on the map as far as baseball goes. How much pride do you take in the, in the guys now? That, like this generation, you just mentioned, you know, Bryant and, and Harper and, and Gallo and, and all these guys that are coming out. Um, so many of them yeah. look up to you. I mean, how much how much pride do you take in the yeah. fact that they are now superstars in baseball? Yeah, it's pretty cool. We went to having a few pitchers to like nothing but pure power hitters now. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's fun to watch. You know, it's fun to see the other side have a chance to do something and, uh, uh, you know, I watch them. When I look in the box scores, you know, I always try to see how how they did last night. You, uh, you, you, um, as we mentioned, right? And the RJ just put out a story that it was it was a sort of a fun piece. The top five uh, high school graduates to come at baseball players of all time to come out of Vegas, and you obviously know that the, the praise that comes with you. But when you look at the the, the complexion of Southern Nevada and, and and what's been produced. Who impresses you? Who are you somewhat proud of that you've laid the path for? Who Who is on Greg Maddox's list like, wow, these guys came out of Vegas. This is cool. Okay. Well, I didn't really feel like I laid the path for anybody. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think uh, Joey Gallo was kind of the first one. You know, I got to see him play a lot in high school. Uh, obviously, Bryce Harper. Uh, Chris Bryan, I saw more, you know, after he had got to the big leagues. But, uh you know, those three guys especially, but I think, uh, you know, seeing Joey Gallo hit a ball at Gorman and then seeing him hit one in Texas, you know, and I've been like, oh, I've seen him do that before. You know, I saw him do it like six years ago. So for me, you know, when you see somebody, you know, that's still a teenager and then you see him, you know, when they turn into a man and they go to the big leagues and, and they're doing the same things they did, you know, six years ago is pretty cool. So that's the voice of Greg Maddox, of course, a Hall of Famer, Las Vegas legend with us here on the program. I have, you know, I am I am 43. I have a lot of friends around my age. I love baseball. I've always loved baseball. I watch baseball every day of my life. I have friends that have fallen out of love with baseball, and a couple of them have said it's because, look, 
I, I follow, I try to follow, I'm not trying to watch games to just watch a, a parade of middle relievers all the time. That's one of their big complaints. They want starters that go the distance. They want starters they can follow. Guys like you in your day. I mean, have, have you kind of felt the same way about baseball? I, it hasn't bothered me, but there are people that are bothered by it. Uh, I mean, you know, the game's always evolving and changing. And, you know, I mean, if you look back when, when I was coming up, we were throwing 230 innings, and, you know, we thought that was a lot. And then the old guys were reminding us, you know, we used to throw over 300. So, you know, it went from 300 to 200, and, and you know, now it seems like it's about at 180. You know, the top guys are throwing. So, uh, you know, the game's always changing. I, I totally get uh, the numbers part of it, where it, it, it is tough to get guys out that third and fourth time. And, you know, teams just feel like they have a better chance if they go to the pin, regardless of how well the starter's doing. We we know that you you were, I mean, above every, I mean, so many things you did very well, but very efficient with your pitchers. In fact, you know, the Maddox is, uh, is a term that was coined, uh, that was kind of named after you for getting a complete game with under 100 pitches. How much, how much was efficiency part of that in your mind of like, hey, I need to be efficient with my pitches if I'm going to be able to make it uh, the distance in a game? Well, you know, it was, you know, we were taught to pitch nine innings growing up and, you know, we did, we were taught to pitch to contact, keep the ball in front of the outfield. And I think the pitchers now are taught to get them to miss. So I think uh, uh, when you're trying to make the hitters miss, you're going to throw more pitches out of the strike zone. Your pitch count's going to run up. But then again, they only expect you to pitch five or six innings. So, uh, you know, that's where the game's kind of changed a little bit. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's still a great game, and I look forward to watching it. What a, a lot of the changes that were made this year have been uh, pretty controversial, back and forth. A lot of people are, are good with them. A lot of people aren't. Uh, the pitch clock in particular, uh, part, of the, uh, part of the debate. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I like the pitch clock. I think uh, the hitters allowed a timeout. I think the pitchers should be allowed a timeout. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, when you're out there pitching it and you're having a rough inning and you get, you know, 18 to 25 pitches, you kind of need a little bit of a blow. And uh, they're not giving the pitchers that, that chance to take that blow. Uh, it'd be nice to see the pitcher also have a timeout like the hitter. How's, uh, how's the golf game these days? It's good. It's good. <laughs> Playing so much, uh, yeah, play a lot. And uh, having a good time doing it, and the weather's perfect. And uh, uh, it's a good time of year to be in Vegas right now. Now, you recently, um, our, our producer, our, our, our vast uh, research crew here at uh, Lotus, said that you played in a celebrity poker tourney, tourney over at Circa a couple of weeks back. How did that go for you? Yeah, it went great. You know, we raised uh, close to $200,000 for the Baller Dream Foundation. I say we. It was really my daughter that did everything. Okay. And, uh, you know, all the celebrities that showed up had a good time, and uh, a lot of guys want to come back and do it again next year. So uh, maybe it'll catch on and be even bigger and better next year for the kids. You want to call any of the uh, celebrities out for just being awful at poker? Uh, we all know we're awful. Uh, you know, anyone that's been in a poker room in Vegas knows that you think you know something about poker until you sit down in one of those games. You know, as we've been covering the Golden Knights for the past five years, five and a half, this is the sixth season, um, two of the guys that really became popular, they're no longer here, but they were known as pranksters, and and it's Marc-Andre Fleury and Ryan Reeves. Like, the pranks became notorious, especially Marc-Andre Fleury. You kind of were a prankster. You you were known to to uh, to give the guys some stuff or, or or sort of prank them in the locker room. Do you do you miss that camaraderie, or do you find ways to still uh, mess with some compadres? Uh, 
Yeah, you miss the guys. You know, you miss the guys a little bit. Uh, you miss the competition, but, you know, it was a good run and, uh, you know, had a great time while I was doing it. I felt very fortunate to do it for as long as I did it. And, uh, you know, retirement's pretty good, too, so there's no complaints. I want to uh, wrap things up where we started with uh, with Greg Maddox here on the show and really, really thankful for uh, for the time today and uh, you're gracious with, with, uh, with that time. So we just want to wrap up going right back to it. Baseball, potentially in Vegas, Major League Baseball coming here. You do believe this can work? Oh, absolutely. You know, if uh, you know if the owner is willing to put a winning product on the field, I think it'll work great. So, you know, I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, having the organization committed to winning, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. Greg, that's a big if with the A's. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've been good in the past. Sure. So uh, hopefully uh, – change the scenery will, uh, will breed a, a new attitude and uh you know we'll pr- we will produce a winner shortly there you go well you're, you're a winner we know that and we appreciate your time and, and thank you for everything you've done uh, for us for the community for everyone and uh really really enjoyed talking to you as always enjoy the rest of your day enjoy the summer and uh definitely uh enjoy the golf game we, we know we know you're uh you're out there hitting it well absolutely thank you thanks for having me thanks Greg. thanks man Greg Maddox, always, always a pleasure. What a what a guy. Yeah, he's a player, he, guy, everything. He the thing is, is I, I don't think that <clears throat> of all the times that I've I've I put a request in to, to talk to him, like, you know, it if he's gonna be back if he's out of town or it's gonna take a couple of days, whatever, but he's always granted, he's always been gracious. And I know if you if he's out somewhere, even leisurely at a game, like I said, like if someone saw him, he would give you a minute. He's just that guy. He's old school. He's old Vegas. Of course, he, he was not from Vegas, but he relocated here. Um, and he, he's just, he's always been that guy. You'd never think he was, a, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Yeah, but he is. And he's one, he's one, one of, of the greatest of all time. One of the best of all time, for sure. As I said, not many people have a stat named after them. The Maddox is a complete game with under 100 pitches. Uh, certainly, he led, the, led uh, his era in that, no doubt. Um, when my son Jordan and his son Chase were small during fall ball at Potosi Park. They were both in Spring Valley, and they they ended up on the same team. And he was still finishing out the season, and he had been. It was his second stint with the Cubs. And Dusty Baker had said, you know, it was like the last week, and he wasn't going to throw again. So he said, you can go, you know, go go home, see, be with your family. So I'm standing there at the back at the at the. Um, Outside the dugout, and Potosi is an old school park, and he rolls up behind me, and I look behind, like kind of just startled. He had his glove under his arm, and I go, "What are you doing out there? Come on, let's go." I brought a bucket for you and everything. He goes, "That's the best seat in a dugout, the bench coach." He goes, "I'm all, I'm all in." <laughs> the kids absolutely, obviously loved it, and uh, it, it was, it was a fun fall ball season. Um, just saying, you know, just, just being around Greg. And, uh, real quick, he just—I'll never forget—we were in the middle of a game, and the kid was getting tanked. Whoever it was, right? Just and I said, "Do we go get him?" He goes, "It's fall ball. Just let him go. What are we going to take him out for? Let's take him out when he starts to get in a groove, instead of taking him out when he's doing something bad." And then at least we praise him on the way out, going, "Hey, great job! Way to finish strong. We're going to bring something up." I mean, I was like, "Yeah, you wouldn't even think that," yeah. but, but the way he was just calm. What are we taking him out for? It's fall ball. It's, uh, I had I had a I actually had an experience in fall ball where my dad was trying to coach uh, not the best 
not the best coach. Uh, and almost the same situation. Uh, one of the players on our team's brother uh, was kind of a 4A guy. Had been in the majors a little bit, minors a little. His season ended. He came in and he said, what is this guy doing? <laughs> so he said, you know what, I'll, I'll be an assistant coach. Essentially, he was the head coach. Uh, have some good stories from that. We can maybe get into it later on uh, in the show. But we continue. Thank you so much to Greg Maddox for coming on. We'll continue. Kofi and Company on a Tuesday. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. or at ESPN Las Vegas. He played two periods in Henderson uh, on a conditioning stint about a month ago, but since then hasn't played in a couple of months now at the NHL level. So I do think it's important, you know, to have gotten him just a period under his belt because you never know whether it's injury, you know, you never know what can happen. CC drops it back to McDavid, to Nurse, to Hyman. Stopped by Hill. There you hear coming back, uh, VGK, rinkside reporter, content creator, prognosticator Ashley Vice quite a call yesterday on the program saying hey even if Laurent Brassois remains the starter as he did yesterday you never know he could get injured and that relief appearance by Aiden Hill could come in handy and it seemed like it did because he came in and was fantastic yesterday in shutting down the Edmonton Oilers the rest of the way 1-1 when he came in the game Golden Knights going to a 5-1 win stops all 25. It was adjusted to 24 later. Was it? But it was, I don't know, it's, it, it's 24 or 25 saves. I think there was, some sites say 25, some say 24. I think there was an adjustment, but not everybody well, How about I just ca- go to, to the it. actual media site of the NHL and look at the box score. The official, as of right now, 24. Yeah, I thought it was adjusted. So 22 even correct. strength, two power play. So I had, uh, thankfully, I was right in my story. I updated it last night and changed it from 25 to 24 when it sound, seemed like there was an adjustment about a half hour after the game. I think they ruled one of the shots was not on goal, so they took a save away. But either way, stopped everything that he saw, and I think a lot of that, and he said, a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was able to get in 20 minutes in game two uh, that got him ready. So quite a call from Ashley, quite a job from Aiden Hill, quite a job from everyone last night on the Golden Knights, I thought. Uh, just a very, very solid all-around performance. Uh, who was the most impressive player to you? I have to do, you know, right after the game, I have to put out my three stars mm. story. You Pick a first star, a second star, and a third star. All Golden Knights yesterday. Oh, man. I, I know the three stars I would give it to. I just don't know. I can't give you the order right, right off the bat. Who would be the three stars? My three stars would be Aiden Hill, Jonathan Marchessault, and Jack Eichel. There, that was the three. Okay. What order are you putting them in, though? You got to put them in order. You don't get to waffle. I have, to, I have to pick an order. You have to pick an order. Right, but you also were writing, and you didn't have to pick in, put in order immediately. So, but I will go this. I did, I will yeah, go, I did immediately. I, did. I, I, will, had, I had twenty-seven minutes on, on deadline. Okay, so I'll tell you in twenty-seven minutes. I <laughs> will go in this order. I will go Aiden Hill, Jonathan Marchessault, Jack Eichel. Mm, you're wrong. No, uh, that's my. It was Aiden Hill, Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marchessault. Yeah. So you're close. I mean, you had the right first star. Well, you were almost there. <laughs> Look, Jack Eichel, I thought, obviously, Marchessault with the two goals, yes, you understand why uh, those were big, his first two goals in the playoffs. Jack Eichel playing with the intense amount of pressure. Also, he set up the Marchessault goals and scored the best goal of the game in terms of dropping a defender 
uh, to his backside on skates. It was a, a nice ridiculous crossover. fake. Here's, and then deking the goalie, uh, deking Skinner to put the po- to put the puck right inside the far post. That was wild. Here's the only reason why I would say the other the other two flopped. Those two is Jack Eichel is supposed to be doing all those things. Marchessault's two goals were crucial because we were waiting for him to give some offense. Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to lvsportsnetwork.com and go to podcasts to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. Well, we're not following our own advice. Yesterday we told Ashley less Millard. Today we have more Millard on the show, unfortunately. How's that for an intro? Well, Darren, hey, Darren Millard joins the show. Have less Millard. I don't care. He's in the house. <laughs> I'm getting paid the same amount either way. For this segment, That's whether funny. I show up or whether I don't. You love it, though. Oh, it's beautifully <laughs> heartwarming. A Wait a minute. You guys are getting paid? Yeah. He said the same. Nothing. Huge amount. <laughs> Half of nothing is nothing. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, back here with you, Cofield and Company. Steve Cofield in Jamaica, by the way. How about that? No, what's he doing? I think vacationing. <laughs> I don't know. He's not on assignment in Jamaica. <laughs> Off the air, Ari goes, "Whatever you do, don't say it on the air." Why? Well, she, I wasn't going to, and then the SL posted it, so now it's okay. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. I did some. We body. didn't say it yesterday because they hadn't posted anything. And now she did. I did Jamaica. some mean body. I'm going to get blamed for this. Did you? Yeah. Was, really where where, where were you? Well, I can't remember where I was, but it was really. I've been good. in the grill. I was really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good, good time. Tomorrow. And it was warm water, which is really good. But it's Did you, t- it, the only challenge I had with body surfing is it's very difficult to really get into it when you're only in two feet of water because I'm so scared of sharks. That's as deep as I'll did go. Did you support the local farmers? Uh, no. Oh. No. What about uh, you can go swimming with pigs there? With pigs? Yeah. Really? Did you not did, know that. Apparently you didn't do that. No. No, I did not do that. It's always I've always thought if I went, that would be my I'd go swimming with the pigs. That seems like I, a good uh, idea. I'm fine with uh, a lack of wildlife. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Manitoba. I've seen plenty of agriculture and livestock. Hey, so. you know you're gonna have some good company this summer once everything's said and done. You and Gerard could hang out. He's got a lot of time on his hands. He does have some time uh, on his hands. Uh, but kind of a quirky decision. <laughs> a couple of hundred point seasons. Make the playoffs both times. Get to the ECF. They screw up your roster going into the playoffs, and then you pay the price after losing in seven games. Really, so, really quirky decision there. Sounds like some of the reports that came out were some of the players definitely complained about the style of Gerard Glant after after the season. Players have changed. I yeah. think that's that's part of this, right? But the, I think the, what some of the players had an issue with was all the different versions of their team yeah and you've got to be a little more stringent and uh, uh locked down when you've got all these moving parts like you do yeah you have to have a, a stronger base and Whoop. if that means being a little more conservative because you've got to have a a significantly uh, detailed game plan then uh, I, I back turk on that one the speaking of coaches uh mm-hmm. bruce cassidy master class in yes. game three uh I guess how good was that performance by Cassidy and how impressive was it to take what had been just a runaway train of an Edmonton offense and completely shut it down? Well, I think it sums up this year's Stanley Cup postseason is there is zero carryover from game to game. Uh, unlike 
anything I've seen. And and this is right across the board in, in every series and in every round that, we, that we've seen. Uh, even with Florida being up big on Toronto, th- those have been drastically different in games. The results haven't, but in, in games. Uh, but uh, it was a, it was a huge turnaround for for Bruce to be able to negate the impact of the two big players in, in the Edmonton Oilers. Now, discipline has a has a say in that, but uh, but what they were able to control with two goaltenders. Uh, with uh, uh, a lack of momentum coming in was was pretty impressive. When you when you look at how this team has performed, let's say from the start of the playoffs to right now, you know against a team like Edmonton with, with the two headliners, and they have talent up and down that roster, but it's almost predicated on how Connor McDavid and, and Leon Draisaitl go. It's one of the two or both dictate the style or the the. But with Vegas, anybody could step but, up and really, spark that team. People have tried to tell me that they're more, this is Edmonton, more than Dreisaitl and McDavid. Well, Nugent Hopkins is a really good player. He's never done what he did this year, uh, ever. Uh, They've got Evan Bouchard, who is really effective on their power play, but only got a chance uh, when they made the move to bring in Matthias Ekholm. Yes, there's more players, but it is a top-heavy team. And if you can negate... Dreisaitl and McDavid, you should win the hockey games and you should win the series. And we've seen that uh, uh, at times uh, during the course of the Golden Knights history, what they've done to Colorado and being able to shut down that high uh, flying team. And we certainly bared witness to it uh, in game number three. And if you can put up a couple of those games and you take your chances when those other guys are really, really good, it should give uh, at least uh, extend the series to a, a legitimate uh, length. And that's to my point is that with a team like Vegas, yes, you have Jack Eichel, yes, you have Mark Stone, but you have they have a wealth of talent that can spark at any time and be the star. Last night it was Aiden Hill. Let's let's be honest. He he as Adam wrote in his column, the story, he yeah. was yeah he was the first star in Adam's column when he gave out three stars. But you have Marchessault who. Started things off with a couple of goals. It can be anyone up and down the lineup that can get this team going. Yeah, I loved Jack's game last night, uh, and I loved uh, Marshall getting confident. And uh, I'm a firm believer one goal for Marshall equals five because <laughs> the way he gets going with it. Riley Smith is the same way. Yeah, One goal leads to six or seven in, in a 10-game span. So uh, let's see if, uh, if he can get going. Uh, getting a, a puck to go in from a blue liner. Uh, was it was significant? Uh, there was some bite. Uh, there was some discipline. Uh, that that cross check that Alex Petrangelo took. I, I'm not sure that I would have the strength to take a number <laughs> in that position and not retaliate in a big way and really give it back. And and he 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 owned that uh, and had to eat something uh, for the sake of his team. Darren Millard joining us. You can hear him on his show with Bruce Cassidy joining in just a few yeah, minutes. Yeah, Bruce over. from uh, Edmonton is going to phone in. There you go across the hall. You can listen to that. Of course, why would you listen to us? You got them coming up. It's going to be great. We could we could just simulcast. Well, yeah, why don't you guys do that? We should. Uh, Get t- Ari take to a do break. That. Yeah, can, take can a break. Pipe you guys. Well, either that or just pipe Let's everybody Let's go live together. across the hall. <laughs> everybody get in each other's so headphones and we'll just all, it'll be like seven of us yeah, trying to talk. Take our headphones, oh, yeah, we can take our microphones great. over there and, yeah. and hold them out there. Uh, you mentioned Marcia, so I think one of the underrated things, and it was funny that Aiden Hill mentioned this last night, 
He said, yes, he hasn't played much lately, but in practice, Marcheseau talks so much that it's like being in a game. Like he prepares him for a game because he just talks so much trash at practice. That is a a very underrated aspect of a player like that. Marcheseau wants to score on every single shot that he takes, whether it's warming up or whether it's the middle of a regular flow drill or – Zeroing in on the power play. With his kids in the he, driveway. <laughs> he wants to score every – and I, I've been lucky enough to be on the ice with, with sure. Marshy. And and it, it he'll take a regular shot and and he'll score and he'll go, well, what's your excuse on that? Like it, it's a nothing shot and he's chirping you nonstop or uh, he won't stop it and he'll, he'll have something uh, quick uh, to say. He never gives up on a play in practice, which is I love. Uh, being able to go after rebounds and and uh, have a little bit of a more game feel to it, uh, and that was it was eating at him, not scoring. It he was playing good, he was getting chances, and and you're like, boy, that that should have went in. Uh, I love the fact that he he found the net just from a good vibe. He he is great for the team, but there's goal scorers want to score, and they they enjoy winning. But they also really want to score, and I think that does uh, this team a world of good. And he's he's somewhat been the I mean since day one, the, a, a diminutive leader, if you will. I'll never forget like forget about scoring. Like we used to say, if a Ryan Reeves, if Ryan Reeves could change the complexion of a game, not by go, just one hit, and could it could flip the script. But Marchessault will get in and mix it up. And I can't remember the player, Adam. Do you remember this? It was at T-Mobile to the goal to the left of us when you're looking down from press row, and he got into it with the Dallas star who was one and a half times bigger than him and body slammed him mm-hmm. near the near the, uh, near the the goal. Crowd went ballistic, and it just – his feistiness because of his size, obviously, energizes the team. Anything he does when he gets riled up energizes it, it that team. He can make an impact, but yeah. he also knows he has to score. Well, to, yeah, to, to I'm just truly, saying his presence To truly is, make uh, a dent – in the uh, opposition, he's got to be able to do that. There's there's probably less agitation to his game uh, than a lot of other players his size because he's so effective offensively. You uh, you mentioned Jack Eichel. Obviously, the assists, big. Uh, the goal was just filthy. That was, yeah. that was incredible. Uh, but that's what he does. Like That's what he's expected to do. There's so much pressure on him in this series, obviously, because of the longtime tie to Conor McDavid. I thought last night, and you said you loved his game, the defensive responsibility he showed while having a great offensive game. Mm-hmm. That was the most impressive I think we've seen a good defensive side of him throughout this series. Uh, go back to the empty net goal that solidified game number one. That was a steal uh, while playing six minutes less than the guy he took the puck from in <laughs> Connor McDavid uh, that resulted in securing that victory. Uh, is he fresher because of the lack of uh, last ice time? Probably. But being able to uh, make that play against his rival, uh, I thought, was was great for his individual confidence. We mentioned Bruce Cassidy coming up across the hall here from him. That'll be very, very good. So tune into that and then turn right back to us afterwards. Uh, but we have less than a minute left. Somebody mm. bit off a fan's finger at a watch party at Edmonton. Yeah. What's going on? Is that what? just a Canadian thing? Yeah. Bit off a finger? Yeah. What, what, Edmonton, Oilers fan, Edmonton Oilers fan reportedly bit off people's fingers during watch party. The National Post. I just, I just assume that's a Canadian thing. No. Someone wrote, <laughs> someone, someone with a Canadian flag in their Twitter name put, as is tradition. Well, there's got to be the chicken fingers. Are we talking like <laughs> a food finger. joke here? Somebody's finger. Darren Millard, great content throughout the postseason with the Golden Knights. And I'll over... give you one for a, for a parting gift. 
You got two seconds. <laughs> See you the later. quote was, "I had to pry my finger from his mouth." Isla Bischoff from the press box coming up on the show tomorrow. Can the Golden Knights take a commanding 3-1 lead over the Edmonton Oilers? Can they slow down McDavid and Dreisaitl? Or will they commit some more penalties and give the Oilers a chance to win on the power play? Plus, we'll get into the NBA. Who took a 3-2 series lead? The Sixers or the Celtics? The Suns or the Nuggets? A pivotal night in the NBA. All of that coming up tomorrow at 7 a.m.